Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Well, hey, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you out. Balcony is feeling good. I was getting thumbs up earlier. Hey, y'all. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Y'all look good. Well, let's get the introductions out of the way. We wanna, I want to jump straight into truth this morning. My name is Jordan. If you don't know me, I apologize. I'm around here. I'm part of the team. And uh, hey, online, by the way. I want to say hi to those online as well. We're super grateful that you are joining us as well. You're just as part of us as those that are in the room this morning. And so uh, hopefully you're somewhere where you can take note. And uh, I promise you, you'll be better for it. And we all will be better for it this morning. If you're going to take notes, it would help me out tremendously. I got to tell you that uh, we're in week number eight in our Fresh Fruit series. And uh, we're coming to gentleness this morning and. I'll allude to here in a little bit that gentleness, this word has kind of been, uh, it's been a difficult study for me. I'm not going to lie. So as I jumped on stage here, I was like, I don't normally get nervous, but I'm a little bit nervous. So smile at me, wink at me. Well, no, don't wink at me. That is not a good idea. That is not a good idea. But um, if you've missed any of the past couple of weeks, we've been in this conversation for about a month, month and a half. And uh, yeah, we've are looking at the Apostle Paul's writing specifically in his letter to the Galatian people. And so setting up context here would be when the Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians, he's writing to Jesus' followers. Now, I know we all might not be at that place. We would say we were in a relationship with Jesus, but that's in which the way he's talking. So just kind of keep that in mind as we go here. And as we jump into chapter 5, the Apostle Paul writes something that I think really no matter where we are at in our relationship with Jesus, that we would all begin to kind of understand. He writes to say that there's this conflict between living from the works of the flesh, meaning the, our sinful desires, and the works then of God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit inside of us. And you can see, you can feel the tension between these two, right? They're in conflict one, with one another. And one Bible translation goes as far to say that they are at war with one another. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to open up to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, as we've done here the last couple of weeks together. The Apostle Paul writes this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in, what does it say? Let us keep in? Let's keep in step with the Spirit. See, each Sunday we've come to these words, and as we've done in the past, we've alluded to, we've highlighted that when Paul uses the fruit of the Spirit, when he uses those words, It's not the fruit of what you or I do. It's not the fruit of our hard work. It's not the fruit of our accomplishments. And don't get me wrong, though. It's great to, like, achieve things. It's great to win. It's great to obtain the goals that you've set for yourself. 
But that's not the fruit that Paul is talking about here in chapter 5, verse 22. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit that is at work in each of the believer's life. And I'm reminded that the Holy Spirit just doesn't want to be in this space this morning with us and encounter us just here. He wants to produce something inside each and every one of us. He wants to produce the very character of Jesus. And so our hope and our trust has been that as you have gone from these gatherings, that when Monday shows up and Tuesday shows up, that you are pursuing more of Jesus. Because when I spoke in week two on joy, I use John 15, five, it says this, these are Jesus's words. He says, if you remain in me, church, if you remain in me and I in you, he says, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's so good. The more that we remain in him, the more that we open up to these words, not just on Sunday, the more we open up to these words and let his truth soak into our lives. I always say, let his truth be downloaded to our lives. That makes more sense for us, right? But we wanna let his truth be downloaded to our lives. It's talking with God. It's talking about God. It's being in community with those that begin to point you to Jesus. And all these things, if we do these things, guess what? Fruit will be produced. And that's what we want as Jesus followers to cultivate this fresh fruit. Come on, the more that we draw close to God and connect with him, is when we get to see this fruit developed in our life. And I think it was great. I don't know if it was Pastor Gene or Tyler, or maybe I just caught it on the side, but this fruit, you might think it's for yourself because it's being produced inside of you. But what is so key is that this fruit is not only for your blessing, but it's also for those around you as well. And that's what I think about gentleness. I think about my, my own ways. And when I look at gentleness, I'm like, how is this really for me? Well, yeah, it's for me, but it's also for you as well. I don't know your story, but I'll quickly highlight my life. I've basically been in church since I was just a little peanut, a little infant. I don't say that to put judgment upon you. We all have our own journeys, but I came to know Jesus really in a relationship with him when I was a teenager. But when I read these words here in Galatians chapter five and I get to gentleness, that Paul describes gentleness, I gotta tell you, that word gentleness has been easily overlooked in my life. And I would probably bet that it's been overlooked in your life as well. Here, here's why I think it's overlooked. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that we as people don't desire gentleness these days. Like, if you think for, with our culture for a moment, we're, we're trained that if you're going to survive, if you're going to thrive in this world, then you better get aggressive. Like, if you're going to get places in this life, then you better be assertive. You better fight your way to the top when necessary. And so what happens so often is that we operate out of that desire to know all and to be all. And we say, well, don't tell me how to live my life, right? 
but I'll sure as heck tell you how to live yours. I'll give you my opinions. I'll give you my thoughts, however unfiltered that they are. But look, when it, when it comes to gentleness, I got to say this study has been super challenging for me because as a human being, I really don't like what Paul is getting at here. I'll just be honest with you. When I look at the fruit of the spirit and I get to gentleness, and I think, Psh, nah, like I'm good on that one. Like gentleness is not how I like to engage in conflict. See, help me, I'm gonna use a, my only movie reference here. Uh, I only basically watch two movies, James Bond and Batman, okay? But when things are going down in Gotham and the Joker is causing some trouble and needs to be dealt with, like you don't go on and flip on the gentleness signal, am I right? Gentleness, God, oh, we need gentleness. Like, that's kind of silly. Like, that'd be kind of weird. Like, if that was a movie, I tell you, I wouldn't watch it. But what we need and what we want and what we desire is that we want the dark night to come in, that he's gonna go in there and knock some people out, right? Almost like the encounter I had with an opposing parent at a, a soccer tournament a couple weeks ago. What's troubling for me is that I never thought I would be that parent. I, I really didn't think so. I wouldn't be that parent that would give up and want to give feedback to how someone is acting, a.k.a. this parent that was sitting down the ways from me. Call it my old age. I don't know. I'm getting more grouchy, okay? But I do know that we have young families in this space, and let me just say that you right now, you, if you're watching right now, you need to think and figure out how you are going to act in those emotionally charged sporting events because I tell you, it's gonna come at some point or another. Never thought I would get so worked up at a U12 soccer match. Two weeks ago, little dude Mace, um, one of my little dudes had a soccer tournament up in Western Michigan uh, at the university there. And it was a really cool experience, took the whole family up, teams from all over were there. And um, the first game came and our boys were, um, were not really playing well. They ended up losing by a good bit. So of course you can imagine that we as parents and the team, they're bummed. They're like, you could put in all the excuses. We got up early. We had, of course, they gave us the 9 a.m. game. Like, blah, like who wants to do that? We got up early. We drove an hour to get there. Like all the excuses you could play. It makes sense that they lost. But a couple of hours later, we found ourselves in the second uh, match of, of the tournament. I'm not gonna lie, the Mesa's team was holding up pretty, pretty well. The game hadn't gotten out of hand like it did the, the first game, and the boys were down only 3-0, close to halftime. And um, with only seconds left in that first half, Mace gets past the ball, makes a move on the defender, and as he does, there's, this, there's an opening. But the clock, get this, goes to zero. The buzzer sounds. It should be halftime, but the boys don't hear it. The ref doesn't hear it. Mace shoots, scores, and we as parents get excited, right? The goal counts. It counted. Now... Let me tell you what happened. As the boys go back to the bench, sit there, you know, you're like the pride swell. And I'd be like, that's my kid and all that. And uh, I noticed uh, the opposing parents signal the ref to come over. They did one of these things. And I was like, the heck with you? 
Mind you, this, um, this ref looked to be at the most a freshman in high school. So I'm seeing this all unfold, and as you can imagine, the anger, this guy wouldn't let it go. He's telling the ref, that goal shouldn't have counted. The buzzer went off, and my anger is swelling up inside of me. Let me tell you, I was a ticking time bomb. You could say that I felt bad for the ref in that moment, and that's the reason why I wanted to go over there and knock this guy out. That was not it at all. It was my pride. It was my kid who scored the goal, like 3-1. We got this. We can come back. But here's what happened. I, I stood up. And as I stand up, I get the grab of death on my arm. (laughs) Krista. Like, she's really the boss in our family. Let's just make that clear. I have no, I'm okay admitting that. She grabs my arm. What in the world do you think you're doing? And it wasn't quiet. It was pretty loud. That's, that's my frustration with you. It's like, everybody knows. And she said, you're not going over there. I sat back down immediately. I like to say I didn't go over there because the Holy Spirit put gentleness on my mind. And of course, like I'm gonna be speaking on gentleness. Like this guy down here is a child of God. There's no way I need to go over there. But no, that wasn't it. I wanted, I didn't wanna go over there because that drive all the way home to our house, I would have dealt with the wrath of her. So I sat back down. Like what in the world though was I thinking? Have you ever been in a moment like that? Like, what was I thinking? Like, what my first thought wasn't, oh, I'm gonna go talk to this poor gentleman and, and see what his uh, tensions are. Like, that's not it at all. I wanted to go tell him how a complete mm, he was. And I thought about gentleness. Isn't gentleness is overlooked? Isn't it a lot easier to long for love or to long for joy? Like, when was the last time you honestly sought out gentleness? Am I right? Like, you woke up and you're like, God, oh, Lord, show me more ways to be passive today. Lord, really instill in me the ways that uh, I can be soft and tender to those around me. Like, for me, I don't pray like that. Like, think about it. When was the last time you filled out on your resume and for your strengths, you put down, oh, your boy excels in gentleness. Hire me. Like, not a chance. We all laugh because we are all in agreement. And if you didn't laugh, you're lying, okay? You're lying. Like, gentleness isn't even a thought inside of us. Because here's the thing. We equate strength with aggression. We equate strength with opinions and criticism and dominance, but I want to tell you that there's a danger in doing that. It's because it blinds us. It inhibits our ability to see other people. This shouldn't be a shocker, but I just want to set the the playing field for all of us that we fail to see each other. We fail to understand the pains of other. When we're outraged, we don't see that individual's beliefs or, or their necessarily their behaviors that we disagree with. Instead, we define that person as wrong or that they're against us. So perhaps, 
Perhaps, perhaps, when Paul talks about gentleness, maybe we have misunderstood what it means to be strong, what it means to exercise authority. Maybe we've gotten it wrong. Maybe there's something more going on with strength and gentleness and that they truly can be the same thing. The Greek word that Paul uses here in Galatians 5 uh, for gentleness is, oh, I should have listened to it one more time, daggone it. The staff has heard this over and over this week. I'd hit uh, the Greek word and it'd be like, prates, and everybody'd be like, prates. Like, that's the Greek word that Paul writes here, prates, and I'm butchering it, I know. But prates is an interesting word. It's really difficult to define in our English language. It's really the closest word associated associated with it is is meekness. And now I get it. No one uses meek or meekness anymore because meek has become a synonym for weak. But I want you to know that prates is anything but weak. In fact, most most biblical commentators would say that prates or, or gentleness was used to define this kind of picture, a tamed stallion. Imagine going out in the wilderness and you come across a a wild horse, right? One that's unbridled, that has enormous strength, that could possibly do some damage to you, right? But if you were to bring that stallion back home and begin to train it, that's what the word prates is, is meaning here. What happens is that powerful strength of this once wild animal is now under control. The strength that now once that it's tamed is all bottled up now for the master's use. And now that horse is useful. A tamed horse, you would think, well, wouldn't it just be, you know, less strong? No, a tamed horse is no less strong than that of the wild horse. It still has just enough strength. It still has just enough power. But a tamed horse, a prates horse, a gentle horse is one that has its strength under control. Just like that wild horse, we too can be untamed. We too have the propensity to hurt those around us. Proverbs 18.21 says that the tongue, our words, have the power of life and death. But when you and I come under the submission of Jesus, we turn our once wild, sinful desires of pride, jealousy, fits of rage over to the Holy Spirit and allow him to start working inside of us. We come under control for God's use. It doesn't mean you could quickly think, well, that gent- I'm still having a tension here with gentleness. That doesn't mean when you have gentleness in your life that you're a doormat and you allow people to walk all over you. It doesn't mean that you lack power or authority in your life. It means that you're able to speak truth so that the person listening can actually, actually receive and begin to learn from it. I think about parents is so important. If you're, if you're a young parent and you're listening right now, Proverbs 12, 18 says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I quite often forget the capacity, the power that I have to negatively impact my boys through my words, 
through my actions. And so as we journey in our relationship with Jesus, as we go through life, we're called to connect to those, to be in community with one another, to be in relationship. And I wanna say that this word gentleness is our strength. Maybe you lead business. Maybe you're part of a, a friend group. Maybe you sit at a lunchroom table with your peers around you. Gentleness is for you. And it could be quite possibly a new strength for you. Number one, if you're taking notes this morning, gentleness is this. Gentleness is a process. It's a process and it's not an event. It's not like, you know, like if you try harder, if you put in the willpower, if you pray those prayers every morning, God, make me more tender, that God is gonna sprinkle down this magic pixie dust on you and then all of a sudden, wow, I'm gentle. Like if that were only the case some days. But gentleness, I'm here to tell you, is not a personality type. Gentleness isn't plain, nice in life. When you look at Galatians 5, earlier in the chapter, Paul talks about these fits of rage with which is really the opposite. I'm gonna try to say this word because uh, I originally wrote this down. It's the antithesis. Did I say that right? It sounds, it sounds pretty close. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Tyler, especially. Thank you, I appreciate that. It's really the opposite of gentleness. Paul describes it, it's even under a whole different category. It's the works of the flesh and some Bible translations even go as far as calling it our natural self. And so for many of us, it's more natural to respond in anger rather than compassion. It's more natural for us to respond in criticism rather than encouragement. But look what it says as Paul writes in Colossians chapter three. He says, we're to put to death that natural self, to pull out the weeds of our sinful nature and so this idea of keeping in step with the spirit, that this gentleness is a process in our life, it's this idea of this daily walk that we have. It's, it's walking in the awareness and saying, God, I wanna focus on you today. God, I wanna keep my eyes on you. It's not coming to God and saying, Lord, I, I, I wanna be more soft, I wanna be more tender. God, I want your eyes today. I want your heart, God. I want your words. I want your power deep within me. Some days we'll get it. We'll do well. We'll keep our eyes on him. We'll see and feel and recognize the things that break his heart. But there are other days when you just want to lose it and you want to go off on Honda Financial or Honda whatever. I have an issue with Honda right now, clearly. But when we're in step with the spirit, the growing will be a process but just watch out when that gentleness takes hold as your strength. It will do something in you, but you also, it will also do something to those around you as well. That's the beauty of gentleness. It's for you, but it's also for others. And as that works inside of us, that strength begins to draw others to him. Wow. Number two. Oh, no, sorry, before I get there, I, I do wanna read this. Philippians 4, verse five says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Wow, I didn't know the Bible said that, honestly. Like, let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Leads right into point two this morning. Gentleness is our purpose. 
I have my Bible here. I've been meaning to read from my Bible. Pardon me. I feel bad for not reading it, but I feel like we're under a time crunch this morning, so I'm reading off my notes this morning. But if you do have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians chapter four this morning. Ephesians chapter four, we're gonna go right to verse one. Gentleness is our purpose, remember. Paul writes to the Ephesians, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you, I know he's right into the Ephesians. But let's put you in this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. As someone who has been called who has been set apart, who has been called to walk into your workplace, into your school, into your friend group, into your family as leaders of your households. Paul is saying, I urge you to live a life worthy of that call. How do we live a life worthy of that call? Well, Paul gives us the key in verse two. Be completely humble and gentle. Because gentleness flourishes in the company of humility. When we walk in humility, it means that we're valuing others above ourselves, right? It's understanding that God is at work in them, even though they might have gone off on you and you want to retaliate. Friends, God is working in them and he is not done yet. He's not done. He actually may be using us to bring them to him. And as we step into those places that only you can step into, as you step into those spaces and offer humility and gentleness, we offer the very nature of Jesus into that space. Come on, that is good news, y'all. Colossians 3.12 says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, put on these new clothes, he's saying, of compassion, of kindness, of humility, gentleness, and patience. Like, that's the very nature of God that we get to clothe ourselves with. All throughout Scripture, when, you're, when we're looking at Jesus, Jesus is characterized by his spirit of gentleness. Sure, there are a few places where we see him get righteously angry, but I can't help but think of John 8. Jesus, he's, he's teaching, kind of like in this environment here this morning, he's He's teaching to a crowd and maybe not with all the haze and the orange lights and all that, but you understand. He's in the middle of, of teaching and the religious leaders of the day were there and they come down, they make their way down front to Jesus and what do they have with them? They have this woman who was caught in the act of adultery and they throw her down in front of Jesus as he's teaching. It's almost like the religious leaders had enough of Jesus's sermon at that point, and it's like, oh, oh, okay, Jesus, you spoke about kindness and compassion, but what about this woman right here who's caught in sin? What about these biblical principles that you talk about or morality? Like, what are you going to do about her? What a powerful scene that is taking place here. What happens next is where we should really study. Jesus 
You would think that he approached her in anger. No. Jesus, he began to criticize her. Well, you should have done better. You should have known. You should have been faithful to your husband. What are you doing? Now, it's beautiful what happens next. It says that Jesus bent down. And yeah, he began writing in the dust. But most biblical commentators would say when he bent down, it showed, it offered uh, humility. When he bent down, it was identifying with the woman and this care for her. Like what a powerful point that you and I can grab hold of, that we too will have to humble ourselves to those around us. Maybe you've heard this story before, and, but I, I really wanna share from the woman's perspective this morning. You see, we all know about this situation, you know, a situation that was very private now becomes very public and she's found herself in one of the lowest points of her life. And just like her, just like me, you too have had a low moment. And I don't know what has brought you to this place of feeling so low or brought you to that place of feeling pain and heartache, but I want you, I want you to recall and remember how you felt in that moment. Maybe you kept thinking, well, how are other people thinking of me right now? Or maybe you yourself were your own worst enemy in that point, but hear me, in that moment of pain and brokenness, Jesus was right there bending down to you. And if you've never heard those words before, he's, he's saying, I'm right here and I love you. That you're not too far from me, that I'm close to you even right now and I wanna speak life and breath into you because I still have plans for you. That's the gentleness of our God. In John 8, verse 9, he says, At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus, he straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. I wanna end on this this morning. We're gonna be around people. We're gonna encounter people. We won't always know the pain, the wrong, the brokenness, the abuse that people are walking with. We won't always know the stories of hurt that they have. But I want you to know that gentleness can be your strength. I want to end on Matthew chapter 11. I know I've thrown out a, a lot of Bible text this morning to you, but Matthew chapter 11, the band's going to come up. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It's, uh, if I could summarize Matthew 11 up to this point, Jesus... Um, well, the people would say that Jesus really isn't the Messiah that they were looking for. Like he wasn't the warrior. He wasn't the political leader that they thought. He wasn't coming to take the land back of the day. He wasn't the Messiah that they thought he should be. But Matthew 11, verse 28, 
Jesus ends the chapter with these words, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, this is gonna be a process. He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, come to me. There's an openness. In just a moment, our prayer team is gonna be down front. I want, you to, I want you to know and I wanna to say to you that Jesus is for you even today. He's saying, come to me. All who are weary. I've read that and realized that, wow, once again, Jesus empathizes with where I'm at. He understands my difficulties. And here's the good news. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And this next part should really stop us in our tracks. Jesus says, I am gentle and humble in heart. So you can read all through the gospels, Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you'll get to see a lot of who Jesus is and what he's about. We get to see the people who he associates with. We get to see how he prays. But this is the one place in 89 chapters of biblical text that Jesus tells us about his heart. He says, I am gentle and humble in heart. Some of us need to grab hold of those words today because that's the very nature of who we serve. I don't know what you've come to believe about God, but his character towards you is one that is gentle. Gentleness is our purpose, and it's okay if you're not there right now. I haven't perfected it either. I talked about my boys earlier. Even this week, I, as, as you get ready for bed, and maybe most parents would, would understand with me that it's like, come on, guys, for like the hundredth time, like go brush your teeth. Believe me, it wasn't that nice. And I pause and... I think in that moment, I'm like, good grief, God. Like, I'm supposed to stand on here on Sunday, talk about gentleness, and here, look at my life. And I don't know where you are at. But I felt like in that moment, and I would ask all of us to, is repent from that. To ask forgiveness from God. But also go to the person in which you have hurt as well. Hey, boys, like, I'm just angry. And that was a little bit rough. It's not you. Just because I've had a hard day doesn't mean you need to be the brunt of my emotions. I want to offer that same response to you this morning. As we sing this last song together, our prayer team's going to be down front to stand and pray with you. I don't know what gentleness looks like in your life, but I can best imagine that there's been a deficit. And it's okay, it's to humble ourselves, come to the feet of Jesus. Say, Lord, here I am. He's not gonna sprinkle that magic pixie dust on you right in this moment, but he's gonna allow his spirit to start working inside of you. Would you stand with me this morning? I've realized in my own life more and more that 
I need to humble myself and ask for forgiveness. And that's the first step this morning. Because I have to admit, what I thought was a strength in my life really just resulted in falling in love with my own opinions. And I'm being very, very vulnerable this morning to you. What I thought was a strength really was my pride. And you can be sure that's not the fruit that Jesus longs for in my life, in your life as well. So my prayer for you today is that gentleness will be your love in action. Again, that's for you this morning. We would love to pray with you. So as the band sings, let your gentleness be known. Let your gentleness be evident to all. For the Lord is near. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. God, as I often pray, in this moment, God, we wanna be open-handed. Allowing you to take the things, God, that have uh, pulled us away from you. God, we wanna be open-handed. So God, uncross our arms right now. Lord, we wanna receive. We wanna receive your yoke. For you are gentle and humble in heart. And I pray that over this community, God, we would begin to see that. In your name, amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.